This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! And welcome to another special Coaches Corner podcast here during the COVID-19 crisis. Callum Williams alongside my partner in crime, Kindred D. St. Aubin. And today we're joined by a very special guest indeed, the assistant manager of Minnesota United, Ian Fuller. And uh, Fuller, I know the listener can't necessarily see this, but your quarantine beard is coming along very well indeed. Yeah, I was hoping at one stage I'd grow a playoff beard, but um, <clears throat> right now I've got not a lot of interaction with any humans, so I figured let's just let it go now and test it out for hopefully when the playoffs come around, but it's uh, it's coming in quite strong, and uh, I've been proud of it, to be honest. Yeah, you should be. Not I'm, too much gray in there. After the start we had, there's a few less gray hairs, but, um, you know, I think the first two or three years here definitely added a few. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I must admit, I had to tidy mine up the other day because it was just awful to look at. Kendra, how's your, your beard coming along? It looks like... It looks like <laughs> well, I hope to God it's not coming along at all. You know, that would be, that'd be a major problem. Um, if that happened, that'd be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't it just? Hey, we'll save that one for later then, shall we? Um, so COVID-19, uh, obviously, Fuller, this is a really unprecedented time. Uh, very concerning at the moment. How are you coping psychologically in, in, the, in the house at the moment? Um, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's been uh, a bit difficult. Um, you know, uh, the first week or two was, was certainly, um, I didn't get into a proper routine and, um, it kind of dealt with my mentality. Um, something that I didn't really, um, kind of prepare for at all. I, I don't think anyone can prepare for something like this, but, um, I've learned a lot about myself and routine is certainly one of the things that I need to have. And, uh, I miss the game, miss the guys, miss being around everyone. Um, but you know, I've, I've gotten into a pretty good routine here to where I, I treat, try to treat it like a normal day, get up and shower and have my, my Nespresso coffee and have a bit of breakfast and then try to get some exercise. Cause I think that's been helping and then, uh, get to work on, on my daily activities, um, for, for the club and also just try to keep everything, uh, as standard as possible. Well, there must've been at some stage as well, though, time to sit on the couch what have you been watching? Is there anything you can recommend for the audience? Certainly, my, my Netflix account is about to blow up. I mean, I've watched just about everything on Netflix. Um, I think everyone's <laughs> gone through the, the Tiger one. The Tiger thing that was extraordinarily bizarre, and, and I felt for the animals from, from the first episode on to the last one, and it was just a bizarre collection of individuals and scenarios and um that that was quite bizarre um just recently did the Sunderland till I die which as a Newcastle United fan I I mean I, I kind of feel bad for them but at the same point I'm enjoying every second of it um see I, I did the test the Australian cricket team that that was quite interesting I don't know anything about cricket and but um it was quite interesting the team dynamics there and just being involved on the flying wall side stuff was was, was great um, I hadn't done the Brazil uh, fly on the wall on Amazon Prime. That was really, really quality. Um, see, what else have I done? Uh, the Ozark one went right through that pretty quickly. So um, just the standard stuff with mixed bit of soccer stuff. I saw the, the Howard's Way, um, the Everton story about Kendall, um, uh, Howard Kendall at, at Everton and Adrian's in, in the film uh, quite often. But it was just good to to kind of see from – uh, all the players' perspective about what Howard meant to the um, the club and how that club was doing at that period in time. It was quite interesting. I have to say, I think um, we finally got on the Tiger King bandwagon too because everyone was tweeting about it. And it's one of those where like, this can't be real. But you're like, oh my gosh, these are actually real people. Like, this is just nuts. So it's like a combo of enjoyment binge watching and you know, it's like you can only do so much, you know, you're just trying to, there may have been times in your life where you're like, man, it'd be so nice to just sit on the couch and binge watch all day, but I'm so busy. And now you're like, I can't take this anymore. I mean, have you gotten to that point a little bit? Uh, certainly. I've moved on to quite a few different things. I've um, uploaded an app. I'm trying to learn a bit more Spanish. Uh, mm -hmm. My Spanish is not good at all. So I'm trying to spend quite a bit of time on that. Um, I've 
trying to uh, sew some uh, some masks. Um, My sewing is is quite terrible, but uh, (laughs) I think I've got the time to to try that out. Um, I baked a few loaves of bread, um, cooked more than probably I've ever cooked in my life. So there's been some some quality time that I've got to spend uh, learning new things and and trying to push myself. you know, I can only go on so many runs and I found myself a few days going on two runs a day. So just to stay active. So um, the weather's not help, uh, helping at the moment with a, a bit of sleet and snow, but um, just trying to stay active and keep my mind going. Yeah. How um, how are you? And, and in particular, how are the players keeping fit at the moment? You know, I think it's the most difficult thing is because, you know, everyone has d- different circumstances in terms of what they have, you know, that some of them have, you know, the, the gym in the apartment complex, others live in a house so they don't have much uh, to deal with, but the club have done a really good job. Uh, Josh McAllister, the fitness coach has done great with giving guys um, a weekly um, regime with a little bit of competition involved in it to keep them going um, stuff that they can do on their own stuff they can do uh, with body weight. Um, so it's, it's been very, very, uh, I think, as best as we can with the situation at hand uh, to keep these guys going. You know, I know that I've checked in with quite a few of them and just asked how they're doing, how their families are doing through all this, because it, it, it is difficult. You know, you go from being active and have that uh, routine every day to having, you know, a lot of time by yourself, you know, particularly the guys that are on their own here. Um, it, it's not easy and, and you just got to keep, keep in touch with them and make sure that they're doing what they need to do with their bodies and also their mind. I know I saw something the other day where, you know, some players are doing conference calls with media and things. And it was interesting because it was an NBA one and they were like, I literally, I don't have a hoop to shoot on, you know? So like you can stay fit, you can do sit-ups, you can do body weight, you can, but like, there's no soccer, there's no net, there's no goal. I mean, the parks are limited in what you can, what you're capable of. So like, even though you can try to stay as fit as possible, doing fitness apps and other things and the workouts and calisters giving them, like when it comes down to the actual soccer piece of it, you know, is probably really the most limited guys have been piece. asking, can we go use a facility? And, and even if no one's there and uh, it's against the rules, which bring the guys in a little bit of danger as well, because then they're going to find parks and with, with people in there and, and, you know, maybe the, 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 the grass isn't as good as, as they need it to be to where they could turn an ankle. So it puts them in danger a lot of times, but Really, let's face it. I mean, let's just try to stay safe through this period, um, and hopefully, they give us a decent amount of time to get these guys going again. Um, and then, you know, can't wait for the season to get going. But the most important thing right now is keeping everyone safe because, you know, most likely these guys will survive if, if they catch something. But it's the person they might pass it on to that we're all scared about. Yeah, indeed. Um, well, let's move on to your playing career, shall we? Uh, before we get into the professional ranks, I know you had a, a very good time uh, during your time uh, at college. You know, nothing against my parents. I loved them, but I wanted to go and experience something totally different, something totally different than the University of Portland, something to- totally different than Oregon State. Um, so I tried to follow them to, to Cornell, and uh, unfortunately, my academics... <laughs> I was going to say, that's a good school. <laughs> yeah, I could say fortunately for how it all ended up, but uh, my academics weren't up to to par and, and uh, I was kind of left stranded without a place to go. Um, we made a few phone calls and luckily um, at Clemson, they had an extra spot um, that I could basically be a, a fall uh, fall season walk-on. I was given a month to, to come in and, and see if I was good enough. And then if I was good enough, they'd keep me on and put me on book scholarship, which was not very much at that time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so I just snapped at it. I mean, Luckily for me, or maybe unluckily, we were the number one team in the country at that point. So, and I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about, I didn't know where Clemson was. <laughs> I saw the Tiger Paw and I said, you know what, let's go for it. Um, and it, it was the best decision I've ever made or the most lucky decision that, that I've ever come to. But um, it was just perfect for me. The, it was so, you know, soccer oriented, but yet there's so many um, incredible sports there and so many incredible people um, that I just fell in love with it instantly you know, the, from the facilities to being a back, in the backdrop of, a, you know, the, the up, upstate hills. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the climate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even the academic portion of it, I used to support that the athletes got. 
Um, it, it was just the, the perfect fit for, for what I wanted. Um, you know, the career started off quite rough, to be honest. I didn't play a whole lot the first year because we were particularly good that year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we graduated a few guys. The, the Herman Award winner left that year. So I, I had a lot more opportunity to play the next three years. And, and luckily, uh, it went really, really well. Um, you know, we didn't make the final four win national championship, but we were, we were at the elite eight, uh, I think two of the, two of the four years in the sweet 16, three of the four years I was there. So, um, it was difficult not to make the final four and I loved college. I loved the camaraderie. I loved, um, just the feeling that everyone was, was rowing in the same direction. It was just, uh, it was a great experience for me. And then getting drafted in 2002, I think, you know, um, I mentioned it. I think there were only 10 or so teams in the league at that time. I mean, was it always the, the dream of yours to play at the next level? I mean, I think when people soccer is their life, that feels like an automatic if it's a possibility, whether it's in the United States or otherwise. But that was kind of uh, what were your thoughts on MLS at the time? Um, I, I didn't really see a future in the game for me. Um, I'd always wanted to be a coach. Um, my father, uh, we grew up on a dairy farm, but he became a, a youth coach very, very uh, soon when we were growing up that we, you know, after we started enjoying soccer, he, he got a few licenses and ended up being a college coach um, in, in the outskirts of Portland. But um, I, I just, I wanted to be a coach. That's all I really wanted to do. And I never thought that I'd become a professional soccer player. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of hit uh, my senior year in the ACC tournament. Uh, there were a few foreign coaches there and um I did really, really well and got an invite to go over to, to Norway uh, at, at a few clubs over there. Um, I ended up pulling my hamstring again in, on one of the trials, so I never, never was able to sign. Um, but then it was draft day um, pretty quickly after that. And, you know, it was dial up. It, it was, <laughs> there was, there was, wasn't any of that. Um, I didn't really have an agent at that point, so no one really called me. Um, I remember everyone was quite tired that afternoon. And so people were taking naps and I was just having to watch it online. And I saw my name pop up and I turned around and no one really paid attention. That was the kind of of getting drafted there and uh, ended up in Boston not long after. Yeah, and that 2002 class wasn't bad either. Taylor Twelman, Brad Davis, Justin Mapp, Kyle Martino, Lucci Gonzalez, Shari Joseph and Ian Fuller all drafted on that particular day. Um, did, did you know during that, that time that all these players were going to go on and be professionals? Um, you know, there wasn't a, a, a strong avenue in terms of getting to the MLS, you know, otherwise. I mean, that was your, your path is, is you would go to college and then hope to get drafted. You know, you, you didn't have an opportunity to, to play right out of high school. They weren't, there wasn't the generation Adidas. There was a thing called Project 40 that they were grabbing people out of it. Um, but other than that, um, you know, there, there was the odd foreigner in the league, but, you know, there were a lot of American guys that went to four years of college and got drafted, you know, and, the, mm-hmm. and you saw it by, you know, the, the, the players you listed. Um, I think Taylor actually came out early to, to go to uh, play in Germany and then came back and got drafted. But other than that, it was, it was four years of college. And then, um, you know, if, if you, were lucky to get drafted, you, you were lucky enough to, to get drafted and, and uh, it was an experience. There were 10 teams and uh, low budgets and not a lot of players on each team. And um, it was uh, an interesting time. I remember my first game and, and uh, I was on $24,000 a year. My rent was $1,100 a month. So if you work that out after taxes, I, I, I was making pennies. Um, I was actually working camps every single day mm-hmm. uh, at that time just so I could survive Boston's And how many guys did you live with too? <laughs> Well, that's the thing is my brother was done at Cornell and he was doing a job in Boston. So I lived with my brother and okay. uh, he wanted to live in a city. So we, I, I would drive the, the 45 minutes down south. But so I wasn't making it easy on myself by, by staying in an expensive apartment. But regardless, um, you know, I was working camps nearly every day. I remember working camps uh, on a Saturday morning and we played the game live on ABC on Saturday night. Uh, so I worked camp and went into the starting lineup uh, that evening. So. It was a, a different time. Um, there were 10 teams. Eight of them made the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I think we, we were last in, in the East at one point and then ended up finishing first within the last few games and made the, the MLS Cup final. 
Um, so that was an experience, but um, it it just it didn't last. There were so few players. There was a, a stipulation that after the season, you had a 20-man roster. You had to get rid of five guys uh, every single year. And I happened to be one of the five guys that was let go. Um, I was, was devastated, but I uh, moved on to Rochester, which at that point was uh, kind of the this best best club run uh, under the MLS. Um, and that was quite an interesting experience for me. Um, okay. Did really well, but didn't love it up there. So I um, moved on to Vancouver, where I ran into Mark Watson. Yeah, you ran into Mark Watson for the first time. And... and there sprung a relationship that would last a lifetime. Um, what were the first impressions of Watto, and, and did you ever think that you would become lifelong friends? Uh, I never thought that I would, no, become friends with him because he, he was terrible to play against. I remember getting kicked all over the field. and <laughs> He would step on you, and, you know, there was no clearly no VAR back then, and there were not a lot of – the referees weren't good, so he'd get away with a lot of stuff off the ball, put it that way, but – um, I was happy to be his teammate up in Vancouver. Um, he happened to be going back to school, getting his master's degree up there. So um, we both became free agents after being in Vancouver, which, by the way, I love Vancouver. It's great. Mm-hmm. The Whitecaps were great. Um, and then we both ended up in Charleston, South Carolina, at the Charleston Battery at the same time. Uh, he is a player coach and, and myself playing for uh, the Battery, which was a great experience. I love Charleston. I love the club. Is yeah. that where you met Ozzy, too? That's correct. So two years in, um, I think it was two years into my, my five years there. Um, we were in preseason and we uh, had signed a guy named Lester Moray. Uh, he was a Cuban international that had defected. He was their all-time leading scorer. And we thought, hey, let's take a chance. We, you know, There was no white scout. There was no video at that point. We <laughs> a few goals in Cuba, so he must be decent. The good thing is Lester brought a friend with him to the first day of training. And it happened to be Osvaldo Alonso. And the moment I saw him strike a ball, I, I, I thought, what a hell of a player. And then I saw him, his work rate and his ability on the ball. And um, he's a special, special player. Yeah, he was uh, catching the eye fairly easily, it's safe to say. Um, went to the Sounders in 09 after you guys reached the Open Cup final in 08. But then you went and won USL in, in 2010. How was that for you, being a USL winner for the first time? It was good. You know, the league was struggling at that point. So there weren't that many teams. Um, you know, there was a, a split with NASL teams uh, and USL teams. So um, the USL that I'd come to grow and love was was kind of falling apart at that point. Um, so it was a special moment in my career to to whatever level you're in, to win uh, a trophy is, is a special moment. Um, at that point, I was a player coach, uh, so that made it special as well. That was my first stint at, at coaching. Um, but, you know, I loved it. I, th- I took a little bit more pride in our, our U.S. Open Cup run, to be honest, um, because you beat, you know, three or four MLS clubs. And, and to see Ozzy do what he did, he single-handedly got us there. Um, you know, we had a really good team, some quality players, a lot of older players that had been internationals in Canada, been internationals overseas. Um, but Ozzy... He, he single-handedly got us there uh, on, on quite a few occasions. We'd gotten a few guys sent off dead uh, of, of summer in Charleston, where you can imagine how hot it was, and, and he just he just drove us through. Um, so that was a special run and, and one that I, I, I probably think quite fondly of. How do you manage that as a player coach? I mean, before we can sort of get into your, you know, your playing days at Austin and then Orlando City and then transitioning to a coach full time. I mean, how, how difficult is that to manage being a player coach when clearly the verbiage that you're using as a player to each other and then as a coach are, are very different? Yeah, it, it, it's a tough one, to be honest. Um, you know, when I became a player coach in, in Charleston, I, I wasn't very old. You know, I, I say very old. I was, I think, 31, maybe, maybe 30. Um, so I was still really, really good friends with the guys. Um, so it's difficult to, to, to take that hat off of being a player and good friends with them then to have to, to kind of, you know, be there, be the, the, the leader at that point. And, um, I was fortunate, uh, to be able to, to kind of run a lot of training sessions, do a lot of stuff tactically with, with Mike Anhauser. So, he was really good for me at that point because I was just kind of thrown into it. 
Um, but it's something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, I paid attention to a lot of my coaches, um, even, you know, in club soccer growing up in college and some of the professional coaches I had. Um, you know, I was fortunate that Watto uh, worked, worked for the battery for four years, so I got to see him work firsthand. Um, so that was, that was really helpful when it uh, came time to be a player coach. But it was difficult. You know, you, you go from training with the guys to, to then running the session, and then later you go have dinner with them. And, and it's, it's difficult because, you know, the, the players have one opinion and you have to stick with the coach. Whatever you do as an as a, as a assistant coach, you are stuck with the coach. Um, and if his decision is different from every other player, by the way, players have a lot of opinions, mm-hmm. but you stick by what the coach says um, and back him up. Uh, and so that, that was an interesting learning curve for me, um, but one that, that I love. Before we go on to Orlando City, I've always wanted to ask you this, Fuller. As we said earlier on, you won USL in 2010. You could have stayed there. You, you could have carried on with one of the better teams in the league, but you chose to go to Austin for a short spell. Why? Well, so the USL back in the day was, I think it was a six-month league. The NASL was more of a nine-month league. Um, so Austin Aztec were still playing by the time Charleston finished. Right. Um, we, we had played, Austin were in that USL year before, so we played against them. I knew of Adrian. I knew of his style. I knew of, you know, how he played. And, and when he made the phone call, he was actually calling about someone else. They didn't want to go. And I remind him that all the time, but, um, I was able to go. He, he said, you know, what? come worst case scenario. You'll learn from a different coach, a different system. Um, and best case scenario it worked really well for both, for both parties. Um, and I'd always heard good things about Austin. So, uh, I jumped at the chance and, um, I loved every second of it learning from Adrian. Uh, I didn't play very well. I was injured quite often, so I don't think it worked out entirely great for for Austin, Um, but I I loved every second. Yeah, I had an interesting story about your Austin debut. You want to share that one? Um, I will. (laughs) It's not my best moment in my career, but we, by the way, going to Puerto Rico, it's a long journey. (laughs) In those days, you weren't taking a a flight to the biggest airport to a really nice, you were hopping around, I think three flights to get there. Anyway, long story short, I, I hadn't played in probably two weeks, trained a little bit here, um, but it was late in the game. And, and when I say slop, it'd been raining for about two months in Puerto Rico and the field was just slop. Regardless to say, uh, Adrian calls me over about 70th minute and said, we're putting you on, uh, we're gonna play you up front. You can play in and behind the striker, um, but you know we want we want you guys to pressure up high too. Anyway, long story short, I I make the run all the way across the field, and someone plays me into the channel, and I turn to go and run, and my hamstring just went. Um, so literally, within thirty seconds, I had to to come off, and Adrian was so pissed. <laughs> you would imagine you bring on a, a change, and and that's what happened. So we didn't we didn't start well our relationship, but. Um, we, we, it kind of, it, it took off after that. I'll say that. Yeah. And then obviously Orlando followed two USL titles in three seasons. Was that the best team you played on? Yeah, I think so. I think, I, I think that, you know, you can debate whether it was the, the first year or two when we got to Orlando or when, you know, a few of the, the sporting Kansas city players came and joined us, the likes of Dom Dwyer. Uh, that was a good team. You know, we also brought a few others from, from England over at that point to join that team. That was a really good team. I do think the 2008 Charleston team that I played on was, was very, very good as well. Um, but I would have say for sure, you know, the, the Orlando days, um, by the way, it was difficult. There's no question about it. Um, you know, we, we uplifted from Austin with, with five staff members, um, you know, and, and four or five years later, we're in the MLS. So it was it was a difficult period for us. We, we worked extremely hard, but um, the playing side of it, I was still playing at that point, uh, as well as coaching. Um, the, the team was very, very good. So when you were in Orlando City and the move from Austin to Orlando City, and you talked a little bit about, you know, how your relationship with Adrian had gotten better over time as a player and now as a coach, you know, if you had to sort of articulate to someone what that relationship is like or make an analogy or a comparison to something like in real life, like what, what's your best analogy of how you could articulate what your relationship is like with Adrian? 
you know, on and off the field, you know, just in general as a person. I think to begin with, we didn't know each other very well. Um, so when he called me to, to see if I want to join him down there as a player coach, uh, it, it was quite of a shock for me um, that he actually wanted me because I didn't do so well in Austin, as you know. Um, but I snapped at the chance it and, and I remember driving from Orlando down to uh, Fort Lauderdale for the MLS um, Combine. We went down there to watch uh, some players to see if some players weren't so good enough for the MLS that we might try to nick a few. But I remember just a few conversations we had on the, the trip down and it, it was just so easy. Um, I loved his football knowledge. By the way, I grew up watching uh, the likes of him. So um, it, was, it, was, um, it was just great to be around him. He's funny. He knows a lot about the game. He had great stories about playing, great stories about Austin, great stories about coaching. He also was a player coach during his career. So um, he had a, a lot of good examples for me to work off of. Um, gave, me, gave me a lot of great insight. Um, there was a portion of us too, we didn't know anyone in Orlando. So we were together nonstop. His family hadn't come across from Austin. So, you know, we'd go to work and then we'd go to dinner and we just got to know each other quite well. Mm -hmm. um, I'd also lost my father a few years prior to that. Um, and I know he's not that old, uh, older than I am, but it was just great to be around someone that had, had lived life and could kind of push me in the right directions. Uh, not that I, I, I needed it. I, I was quite stable in what I was doing, but it was just nice to be around someone um, that I could kind of lean on when I needed to. Um, and, we, and we both did. We were there in Orlando and it wasn't easy at first. You know, we were getting crowds of 1500 and uh, didn't seem like it was kicking off. And, um, but I learned a heck of a lot from, from him and um, I'm, I'm his lo most loyal servant and I always will be because of what he's done for me. Wonderful. Intriguing stuff. Ian Fuller, thank you very much indeed. We'll take a short break and uh, next up we'll talk all about Ian Fuller, the coach. Now, Fuller, I remember back in 2012, I believe it was, an Open Cup game where Orlando City played Sporting Kansas City. You were, um, it's safe to say, an ageing player at that stage, but still a player that looked very sharp and very good. When you were coming to the end of your career, did, did you know? Because the point I'm trying to make is that you still looked well and able at that stage. You know, the, the one thing about... Um... Me, me as a as a player is I've never been very uh, mobile. Um, so as I aged, you couldn't tell the difference because I <laughs> I ran like that when I was twenty five. Um, I I could always um, see what had to be done, um, but as you know, as you age and and even you know, I, I didn't move well in my career, but it just things just didn't come off as you wanted them to. I mean, you could see it, it just, your, your, your body wouldn't move the way you wanted to. But I do remember playing at Sporting, I think we beat you guys actually. Um, when I, or, and uh, that, was, that was a great experience because playing in the USL, you don't, you don't see stadiums like that. Uh, there aren't stadiums like that in the, in the MLS. I mean, it's a wonderful stadium to play at Sporting. And um, it was just a, a great memory for all of us um, to be able to play at such a, a great, uh, venue against a, a really really good team um i think you guys had either won the u.s open cup at that point or were going to in the next few years to push you on to then win the mls cup uh, a few years later but uh it was a really good team peter had and we always respected him and it was just fun to play uh in that environment yeah i think it's safe you to say. talk about sorry go ahead no no I, I was just about to say i think it's safe to say from from that point of view uh, I think everybody thought at that stage that, that Orlando City were the best team outside of MLS and, and probably should have been an MLS team. Eventually, you were given that opportunity to be an MLS team. You were now very much a coach. You'd, you'd stopped playing. How delighted were you with the opportunity to be a coach in Major League Soccer? I was probably more delighted not to be playing, to be honest, at that point. But yeah, it was, um, it's something I always wanted to do was, was be a coach in the MLS. It was a dream of mine. Um, and to do it with Orlando was, was special. You know, I know Adrian at one point had a chance, uh, to go up to Toronto and it was, a, we, we, we loved the club. We spent 
hours and hours and years and years building it. Um, so to be able to go in the MLS with, with Orlando was really, really special. Um, the fan base is incredible there. The people um, who ran the club at that point were, were great people. Um, and, you know, it was, was really difficult leaving uh, when we did, but it was special. You know, it was, a, it was a really difficult time to go from the USL into the MLS. Um, you know, we can talk about that more with, with Minnesota's because, you know, luckily Agent and I were, were both going that head in that direction, but the players are always at limpo every single day. They don't know whether they're going, whether they're staying. There's a lot of pressure on them. Their families are asking, their friends are asking. So uh, it's a difficult year to keep the team together and to keep them going in the right direction. Um, you know, and, and we did that pretty well in Orlando. We ended up not winning the championship, but that just shows you how difficult it is because we were the best team. Um, but it, it was a special time for the club. It was growing incredibly quickly. Um, and I do have fond memories of my time there. Did you notice any change in the style or the way that Adrian approached it now being MLS versus USL or, you know, a different league or did he just kind of, he seems very steadfast in his approach and the way he does things. Did you notice anything different or, you know, any moment um, that you've worked with him, like an aha moment on a training pitch or in a film session or something as a coach where you're like, wow, I've never thought of it that way. Kind of a, a revelation. I think certainly the first few years in Orlando, it was, my learning curve was incredibly steep. I'd, I'd never been around someone with, with such a knowledge of particularly how to attack, how to get from one end to the other uh, with decent shape, with numbers behind the ball as well. Um, but also in a, in a really, really um, beautiful way, to be honest. Guys in certain areas asking them to do stuff they'd never really done. Uh, wingers coming inside rather than going wide. You know, I played in pretty standard systems up until then. So uh, I think that was an aha moment for me, for sure. Um, but going to the MLS, I mean, let's face it, we bossed the games in USL. And then to go to the MLS, it, it was it, w- it was a wake-up call. There's no question about it. I know Adrian spoke about it when Jesse Moore spoke to him uh, about his time in Montreal and how difficult it is going from one league to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is difficult. And it didn't sh- it, it, it didn't make it even easier for us, although we had a really good good season. But... Um, we can go into a little bit about what I've learned since then, but um, it, it was a difficult time, but we, we still, I think, have the third or fourth most points in expansion team in Orlando, and we're really proud of that because it's a difficult league. Yeah, you were um, equipped with a world superstar at that particular time as well. What was it like working with somebody who is as huge as the name Kakar? You know, it, at, at first, you just don't know. You don't know whether he's going to be not the nicest guy whether he's going to be a really good guy you don't think he's you don't know if he's going to be big time you 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 didn't know um Mm -hmm. at all and then after three or four days he's just a normal good guy um really good teammate um really good with the coaching staff um it just was at the end of his career and he wasn't as effective as he had been and and you could see it you know after he'd gone to Real Madrid had some injuries that, that kind of pushed him off course and uh, started to catch fire again in Milan, and then uh, he he had a, some really 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 good moments in Orlando. There's no question about it. But it just it it wasn't the guy that we saw um, growing up. But in terms of teammate, in terms of a really good guy, fun to work with. Um, you know, I I was a relatively young coach, so um, I wasn't about to go in and say, hey, you should you should try this. You know, for <laughs> the year. So I, I learned a lot from him in terms of what he did and how he did it and who he'd worked with too. I mean, he worked with some incredible managers. So um, I look at that time as, as, as a really good time to work with, with someone of such high quality on and off the field. I remember there was one game, um, I think I, I might have called it for, for Sky or the World Feed, and it was an Orlando game. And I remember seeing where you had Kakar. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it was almost like you wanted him to play in a 10-roll, but he would always venture over to the left-hand side. And it was just never, ever going to work. Did, did you as an individual find it difficult to, I know you touched on it briefly earlier, but, but was it difficult for you to have a conversation with him along those lines? And then were there any times in training when you had to stop things and say, no, 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 Ricky, we, we need you to do this? I think certainly, and, and you know, when, when it was going well, yeah, it, it, was, it was going really well. And, and we didn't mind him drifting, particularly at home. Um, you know, but when you're on the road in this league, you've got to buckle down and defend with 11 guys. 
Um, and if you've got certain individuals that kind of want to do uh, what works best for them, uh, you know, and, and he certainly is a world player of the year. He's certainly someone who, who you can allow to do that. Um, but it was difficult for us, um, you know, because we were built for him to stay as the number 10, but he loved to drift out wide and then, um, you know, certainly find, find some space there that would just put us off balance for, for portions of the game. But um, it, it wasn't a malicious thing. It wasn't like, I don't really like you guys. I want to do what I want. It's, he tried to find what worked best for him at that point. If you had to say, or maybe, you know, in your time, do you have a, a maybe a player, best player that you've ever coached or a best player that you've ever played with? And, you know, in your USL days, in your MLS days, I mean, would he, would he be up there on that list? If, if I weren't to put him on the list when he's <laughs> made world player of the year, then I'd chop my head off. But, well, you said it was later in his career, yeah, so, you know. Certainly, we saw glimpses of it, and um, there's no question about it. Um, and people are going to laugh at this, but I think Kevin is close to the top. The stuff that he does on a day-in, day-out basis um, in training is, is pretty special. I mean, we, we saw him uh, prior to the knee injuries play against Roma, and Totti came up to us after and was like, who, who is that kid? Because he just does stuff that no one else can and is quite special. And when it's coming off, uh, he's quite special. I think my favorite player to coach, just because I, I played with him and I know what competitor he is and I know the qualities he brings to a team, uh, is probably Osvaldo Alonso. Um, you know, he's, is he the, the best player? Is he the quickest? Is he, he's not going to win a race. He's not going to win skills competition, but he is going to give you everything he has to lead the group and push him into battle. Um, and by the way, he's a miles better player than people think he is, mm-hmm. but I would say he's probably my favorite and um, our most utilized player. So before we, we take another short break, um, you ended up moving on to Minnesota United in 2016. This was the final NASL season for those that can remember. Um, but you must have heard the news that, Adrian Heath and the coaching staff that you'd become so close to had all been fired. How did that affect you? Did it give you frustration? Were you annoyed when you heard the news? You know, I, I had been let go six months prior to that. Um, there was a new regime coming in, and, and I think they just wanted to shake things up. So um, it was my first little bit of um, extreme disappointment in the game. You know, I've been cut as a player, but to be able to release uh, at a club I cared so dear about, uh, worked so hard to get there. That that was a shockeroo. And then when they got fired, um, I felt like it was only a matter of time because of what I had gone through. It was they, they wanted their own guys in um, and they were going to do whatever they could to, to get that. Um, by the way, they were still in the playoffs when they got fired. So it was it was disappointment for, for me because I, I, I loved Adrian and their staff so much. So it was difficult to see. Um, I was also going through quite a bit up here in Minnesota uh, trying to get this team um, on the right track and helping uh, assistant be a good assistant to Carl and, and Peter and I, we were just trying to get the, the guys headed in the right direction, uh, winning games and putting them in the best situation to go to the, the MLS the next year. Fabulous. Uh, once again, another short break is upon us. Uh, next up, we'll talk about Ian Fuller as a coach again and also his time at Minnesota United. Welcome back to the final segment of our Coach's Corner podcast special with Assistant Manager of Minnesota United, Ian Fuller. Callum Williams here alongside Kindred D. St. Aubin. Uh, so, Fuller, you then went to Minnesota United after your spell at Orlando City, but this was the Minnesota United of NASL, a very different club to what it is now. What are your memories of 2016 in Minnesota United? Cold. I remember coming up here January 28th. Um, and driving up to the dorms and I lived in Portland and Boston, but I'd never seen so much snow in my life. I got out of the, got out of the car and I ran inside and met Angie and some of the players and some of the staff. And I, I thought my hands were going to fall off. I, I was, um, I was worried, I'm not gonna lie. but you know, your, your, your blood thickens and you get used to it, but I was really excited. Um, I had heard a lot of good things about uh, the club. You know, we we 
sent Jamie Watson up here. Um, and I apologize for that, by the way. We, we <laughs> traded him up in Minnesota from Orlando. And so we stayed in contact with Jamie and asked him how it was and what it's like and um, what are the people like and what's the feeling of the, the fans. Um, and so we, I had a pretty good feeling of what I was stepping into. Um, got to know Manny really well. Uh, they came and trained on Orlando. We played against him a few times. Got to know Carl really well. Um, so I felt comfortable coming in because I had known quite a few of the, the people involved. So I was really excited. Uh, you know, the, the um, excitement um, to go into the MLS and to push uh, a bunch of players. Um, and by the way, we the staff weren't on MLS deals, so we were pushing to go to the MLS. So there was an excitement um, slash little bit of pit in your stomach the entire time, the entire year, really, because you, you didn't know what the, the ownership were thinking, what the management were thinking. So, you know, to, to get a group of guys going and, and um, really push each other for the common good was, was difficult, especially, you know, you're, you're thinking about yourself, you're thinking about other staff members um, at that point too. So it was a difficult year, um, but one that I loved. I loved playing up at the NSC. I loved working for Carl. He's a, he's a really, really good dude with uh, really good knowledge of the game. Working with Peter was really, really fun. Um, but the, the feeling up at NSC um, when it was grass and the stands around and my first um, exposure to, to some of the fan groups was was just fantastic. And it was my first exposure to singing uh, Wonderwall. So um, it was just a good group of guys, um, but it's difficult. It, there's no question about it. It was difficult in Orlando to get guys motivated and win games. It was difficult uh, even more so here in Minnesota. Well, and you talk about the the experience at NSC in Minnesota, and you know, I, I think to people that aren't from Minnesota or even the Midwest, for that fact, maybe not think of soccer in Minnesota as really a hotbed for soccer or really, you know, passionate group or a fan base. But I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about them because we always talk to Manny about what it was like growing up here and playing soccer and how much these the fans here and the people here deserved an MLS team. But you got to see that the NASL experience and then transition to MLS. So speaking of that experience in the fan base, I mean, you know, kind of giving them a shout out. Were you pretty impressed or kind of blown away coming to this part of the country? No, I wasn't pretty impressed. I was extraordinarily impressed. And most of the reason, I mean, I played here um, against Minnesota when there were probably 55 people in the stands. Mm -hmm. um, there were a few dark clouds uh, up in the, the rafters there before there were stands around the other side and in behind the goal. Um, so to see what it had become uh, in, in a really short period of time, you know, they, they went from, I believe this was the stars then to Minnesota United and to have that, that, quick change to to see where they are uh then and where they are now it's it's been nothing short of amazing and something that everyone should be feel proud uh to be part of you went with the team from nasl to major league soccer i know for a little while you, you weren't entirely sure what was going to happen but the stars aligned and adrian heath arrived how did that move then come about for you how did adrian heath approach bringing you back to Minnesota, so to speak? The stars certainly aligned because, you know, it, it, we didn't have the season we wanted to with, it, with in NASL and, and we were unsure of what was going on just about it on a daily basis. Um, but we showed up and did our job and we were just totally unsure. Uh, when Adrian got the job, um, I was unsure of whether he was going to bring me uh, up to the MLS. Um, that was a pretty quick conversation and, and he, he gave me uh, the nod, which I was really pleased at. Um, and then the work started. It was, a, it was a month that I'll never forget. It was long, long hours. We were playing catch up. Um, the whole club was. It, was. it was just one of those situations where we didn't have a lot of time. Time wasn't on our side. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of, uh, of targets at that point. So to develop them very, very quickly and make decisions, um, you know, there's no question that some of the decisions – were not what anyone was hoping, but it wasn't for lack of effort. You know, in that month, we, we, we spent hours and hours and hours and hours looking over, over, over tape. And the one thing that we came away with it is we can no longer just, just look at players on, on line and on video. We have to see them in person because you get a whole different feel for them. So uh, to go into that season, 
you know, we knew how difficult it was going to be. We, we were in the same situation in Orlando, uh, and we thought we were going to struggle a little bit more uh, than what Orlando did because, you know, we, we prepared for, for three years down there. Um, you know, maybe not for the players because that, you know, but certainly, you know, the last 18 months, we, we prepared to go to the MLS and pre prepared to, to buy players and, and see players. So uh, we knew it was going to be tough. Uh, we were amazed at, at how difficult uh, it got at the beginning and how far we're, we were behind. But to get that first win against RSL, to beat Chicago in Chicago, um, to beat TFC at home. I mean, we, we had some really good moments uh, to where we, I think we can all be pretty quite proud of that year. Year two was the biggest disappointment for me. There's no question about it. Um, you know, we were still dealing with some of the contracts and some of the guys um, that necessarily weren't up to the level um, with Minnesota. We, we had to give away some important pieces. You know, someone like Christian Ramirez, who was so dear to the fan base. We loved Christian. Christian was a, a really good goal scorer. I spent hours and hours with him. Really good goal scorer. Um, and then I heard Adrian speak about it the other day. Is it'd be funny he'd score more goals on this team because we have more possession and he's going to have better chances than he he did uh, in year one, uh, year one and a half. Um, but we had to do it. We had to get some sort of allocation money to 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 get going, and it kind of fueled some of the moves we did make for year three and to open up Allianz Field. And and now we're we think we're heading in the right direction. We're we're not standing still. You know, even during this break, we're we're watching a lot, a lot of uh, players online, and you know, clearly we can't see them live right now uh, because all the leagues are shut down. But we we're not standing still. Um, we still want to do one or two things, two one or two things, uh, and and push the group even further. Going back really quick to the transition from NASL to MLS, and once Adrian was on board, I mean, how much did the two of you in particular feel like that experience of having taken Orlando through that? benefited you guys and you could even talk to others and maybe talk people off the edge that were like oh man what are we you know what are we doing here where are we going what direction is it going to get better I mean how much did you guys benefit from having gone through that in Orlando together I think there are a few things that that helped us um you know we had set out these are the, the players we want in Orlando this is the way we're going to play um and then when we when we came here and got a bunch of players together oftentimes the players dictate how you play Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, we had to adapt um, our system quite quite quickly. You know, sometimes we were playing three in the back, sometimes we were playing five in the back, sometimes we were playing four, five, one, whatever it was, we had to be flexible based on the players that we had. So we knew that we were going to have to be a little more flexible than we were in Orlando. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also a portion of it, you know what's coming. Yeah. It's frightening. Um, it's frightening. And knowing that you're going to lose more games than you're going to win, it, it it, it hurts the confidence. It hurts uh, some of what you you want to and, and stand by as being a winner. And so um, it's kind of a 50-50 there is, is the experience was great, but also sometimes the experience, you know, it's coming and it's, mm -hmm. it's an uphill battle. One individual that you have conjured a very good relationship with is the young centre forward Mason Toy. Um, only been playing soccer for couple of years before you drafted him I know he was a, a, a huge basketball player um have you ever had a, a challenge like Mason Toy in terms of developing a player like him I don't know if he's a basketball player though because I've challenged him and he won't accept I think I can <laughs> <laughs> um I I had I was very fortunate to see Mason College quite a quite a few times I saw him in the Big Ten tournament and I just thought with his athleticism and his technique he didn't know where to run. I saw it at IU. Um, he was really, really raw in terms of just knowledge of the game, but technically uh, and physically, he he was something else when I saw him. So I was really excited when we drafted him. Um, I know that the year he had the first year wasn't what he'd hoped for, but it wasn't because of lack of effort. This kid is, he wants to be a professional so bad and wants to, to thrive being a professional, not just, not just make up numbers uh, more than any other player I've been around. And, and I love it. I love working with him. Um, you know, I think that working with him, having to say no a lot is, is the most difficult time because, you know, the fitness coach has said this and we've done a lot of change of direction. It's going to be tough on his growings. I don't want you to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've got to tell him no sometimes. 
um, and it kills him and he doesn't, he just wants to work, work, work. But I'm so impressed with the kid because he, he's, he's getting it. He, he saw a glimpse of it last, last summer. Um, in preseason, you saw a glimpse of it. And now we just got to continue to work on it so he can do that on a regular basis. Um, he knows he still has a lot to work on. I know that. And I'm, I just love working with him because he's willing to do it. Um, and you can start to see uh, things make a difference. And, and you saw that last summer. Well, and you talked a lot there about his physical attributes and, you know, working on him just understanding the runs and the timing of the runs in the game. But how much even with a young player, I mean, still very young for United States standards, is it trying to balance the mental, emotional side with him? Because we, we see him at training all the time. I mean, like you said, you don't, he doesn't want to be told no because he wants to work more after training or maybe being not called into this last U23s. Like, you know, how, how does that work for you, having been a young player at one time that you have to balance that emotional kind of mental side with the young talent that you guys have on, on this roster? It's certainly something that I had to work on because I was a, I was a mental disaster when I played. Um, and we still can, see it on occasion when you have to step in and put the penny on a training. I don't know. You can you saw it. Mason had a lot to lot to grow up with. I think he got sent off maybe against yes. for his first start. Mm-hmm. He got sent off in Dallas for something really really stupid that he regrets. Um, so that he knows he's got to work on that side of the game, um, but he's not the only one at that age that that has to grow up so um you know luckily we've we've got quite lucky slash hit gold with some of our draft picks where they are a lot more mature than their age would say Uh, the likes of chase gasper and hasani dotson and you know even bringing in some of the guys we brought in this this uh off season you know jacory hayes incredibly mature kid Mm -hmm. uh you know marlon harrison has played many many games this league maybe even upwards of 100 games in this league at a a young age Mm -hmm. uh and he's a great guy to be around and a good team player uh we just brought in a lot of guys you know james moose has been in the league out of the league and so he he knows what it's like to be in the league and and doesn't want to give that up and uh, i just think that we've got a lot of guys uh you know tyler miller he he's played some big games and I think that we've given him a, a really good basis to be one of the best goalkeepers in the league because he doesn't feel some of that pressure and we don't put a lot of pressure on him. He's just playing and that's what he wants to do. Um, so I just think that we have a, a lot of guys that we brought in with that core group of guys that we're just, we're headed in the right direction. Um, you know, the start was great. It was disappointing to, to be in the situation we are, but we're in the situation and, uh, it's weird talking about soccer right now with everything that's going on. Yeah, Kendra spoke on it briefly there, Fuller, but from time to time, you, you'd still jump in <laughs> the training sessions. How much do you enjoy it day to day? I think a, a one out of 10, uh, 10 you would enjoy it the most. I, I think probably a 1.5 out of 10. Uh, everything hurts. Um, I get embarrassed a lot because when I'm unfit, <laughs> to the guys are just so much quicker, stronger, faster, and they're thinking a lot quicker than this old brain thinks. Um, so it's it's frustrating because I, I want to do a lot better than I do, but I love playing the game and it's fun um, being around the guys and it just shows how good they are because they run circles around me. Yeah, it, It's a hit for the, the old uh, mentality for me, but uh, it's it's really fun. I just feel bad for Touche and Biggs because they have to go collect all the balls that you punt over the fence. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's crazy, isn't it? When your mind is doing one thing and your body's doing something else, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a moment to remember as an old person. I can speak to it myself. Yeah, I, I use the term often that I, I'm just happy to be here. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but but in terms of actually being on a training field and on a day-to-day basis, though, as well, Fuller. I mean, you must be extremely satisfied. I know right now it's it's difficult with the situation we're in, but when normality does resume. Um, I, I can't imagine there's a better job in the world, is there? Particularly with this group, Cal. The guys love to work. It is just the most honest group we've ever had. Um, everyone at the moment is really, really excited to be to be here. Uh, and I say at the moment because we're two games in. Uh, you know, when, when guys get to game 10 and they haven't seen the field much, it's more difficult to manage. But I do trust this group. Trust the guys in the locker room. It's just an honest group, and uh, we're thrilled to work with them. I know that, and we haven't mentioned, you know, the the new assistant coach that 
uh, I'm really excited to be working with is, is Sean McCauley. And I, I think that he's been in, on a winning team in the MLS in Portland and also been on a, a team that's been had a bit more uh, of a difficult time in Orlando. But he sees the quality and also the, the work rate and the honesty in this group. And um, that's just, it, it's been fun. A um, couple of more questions before we, we let you go. We know you've got some intense Netflix to, to watch on the couch here in the next couple of, of weeks. What about you as a coach from when you started to now? It's, it's 10 years plus now you've been coaching. How have you changed? Uh, uh, how long have we got here, Cal? You know, <laughs> I, I think that early on in my career, I, w- I, w- I was so emotional. I, and, and people would laugh to say that that's changed because I'm, I'm an emotional guy. Um, but I've, you, when you, you take some emotion out of it, you see it a lot more clear. Um, and when you want it so bad and, and, you know, there's coaches that coached here and then Carl Craig, he could probably give you many examples. I was just so emotional and, and I couldn't quite see the forest of the trees because you're, you want it so bad. Um, I think that I've grown a heck of a lot in terms of that. Um, just being able to see it tactically, everything slows down a little bit more. You know what to expect because I know that just about every single player in the league, I know every single coach and, and how they play. So um, getting getting to know uh, who I am and, and what my voice is, but working under Adrian and knowing that he's the guy here um, that we represent and that we have to back, but also having my voice has been – it's been fun to – to, to learn exactly what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are as well. You're 40, relatively. Oh, Thank you for the reminder. That's what Fuller's singing right now. Everybody who's young in the office and in Minnesota can say that, but you know, to us old folks out there. Yeah, they say 40's the new, what, 25. I don't see that. I, I, I don't know, looking at you. Depends on the day. <laughs> but you know, you. If you think about it, Fuller, you're 40 and you are relatively young for a coach and you've already got so much experience. What is it for you? You know, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing here. I really am. Uh, I, you know, thought about when, in the, this last offseason, last summer, I thought about when would be a good time to go out on my own. Um, you know, I clearly know it's going to be in the lower leagues um, because the way MLS is going, and and that's fine. I, I want to be able to work in a situation to to try to get better and learn what I'm good at uh, on on a boss basis, not just a a, a coach basis. Um, but I looked at it and, and I wanted to work with this group again, uh, and I still do. Uh, I think that it's got a long term future here. Uh, I'm really excited for the base that we've built. Um, so I know I still have a lot to learn. I think the timing will, will dictate that and, and we'll see, but I'm in no hurry. And so no if you do, you know, eventually at some point, see your stage in your career going off on your own, how pleased are you then with just how the leagues are set up now in general? I mean, in the past, there may not have been USL teams to go and try your hand at being a head coach or trying to gain that experience. I mean, now it's like this league is on this knock on wood, sort of meteoric rise. I mean, did you ever see that coming in your early days as a coach and a player? Not in the USL. I spent the majority of my career in the USL, so I know the league inside out, and I've seen the ups mm-hmm. and flows. And to see the trajectory that it's on is pretty special, and to see teams doing so well, uh, not only in league, but in the Open Cup, and owners spending money, and uh, some of the situations. I mean, to look at Louisville Stadium situation, mm-hmm. it, it, it's gorgeous mm-hmm. to see – you know, what San Antonio's built and it's, there's some really good clubs in, in those leagues. And um, I, I'm really excited for the players in them because they've got places to play when back in the day, I mean, there were not too many good situations to be in. So um, it, it's exciting from, from just a U.S. soccer standpoint and from a lot of the young players coming up, but certainly excites me as a coach. Wonderful. Um, well, Philip, we won't keep you any longer. Before we do let you go, though, uh, just a quick message to the Minnesota United fans, if you would. First and foremost, uh, I can't wait to get back. I know that um, I'm stating the obvious there, but we will get through this. I mean, speaking with my mom, um, you know, they, they looked at certain times of their, their life where they went, were in elementary schools going through bomb drills and all that. Um, people do get through that. You know, the, the sad part about it is there are people that aren't going to. Um, so I think if we can all be safe and do the right things for the next 
weeks, months, whatever it's going to be. Um, it's, it's more for, you know, the, the people that can't fight this. So let's, let's put our arms around each other, enjoy our family. Um, let's all do what's right for the community that we're in uh, and, and keep fighting and, and let's, let's get excited about getting back at some point. Um, good luck to everyone.